Eagles Entertainment. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. Go. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right for the day, and we're looking ahead to a week two replay as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 455. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Ben Fennel to go through the Eagles' week two opponent this year. In our last episode, we covered the New England Patriots, who the Eagles will see in week one. This week, we're going to look ahead to week two. The Eagles, a rematch from last year's week two, Monday Night Football, and that was against the Minnesota Vikings. So the Eagles take on the Vikings once again. And the Vikings, they're one of the most productive pass games in football in the second half in particular last fall. So we're going to dive into some of the whys and some of the things that we saw. Ben and I, we watched a lot of all the explosive plays that the Vikings had in the second half of the season. And we'll just try and talk through some general themes and share some of the stuff that we saw. Now, before we get there, a couple of things we want to make sure we hit on, as always. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a review. As always, make sure you subscribe. We've got a lot coming here on this feed in the coming weeks as we gear up for the fall here in the uh, on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Uh, that said, let's move into it. I'm excited to talk through some Vikings. Here it is with Ben Fennell. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, so like I said, joining me here for Chalk Talk is Ben Fennell. And Ben, uh, we were tasked with watching all of the explosive plays. Basically, we define that as like the, uh, the pass plays of 18-plus from the Minnesota Vikings. And again, we went to the second half of the season. Really, the, the line of demarcation there being the trade for tight end TJ Hawkinson, the, the Vikings traded a second round pick for Hawkinson, a former top 10 selection by the Detroit Lions. And uh, that was seen by many as a, a huge move that really kind of took that offense to a new level. And we'll talk about some of the things we saw. Yeah. And the Vikings, particularly Kirk Cousins and, you know, Wes Phillips and Kevin O'Connell's offense. It's always a, a favorite of mine to watch because it's really a pure passing type of execution. Kirk Cousins is going to know where to go with the ball. Most often, play from the pocket, and you really get to see a pass play or pass philosophy kind of come to full fruition. There's very little backyard play, very little improvisational play. So if you like pure football and kind of what we call whiteboard football, like it, it executes on the field like it should in the meeting room, on the practice field, on the whiteboard, that's Kirk Cousins. And it's a lot of fun to watch, but boy, does he take a beating in that pocket? But he has some exciting weapons. We know Justin Jefferson, that TJ Hawkinson addition, really kind of changed and sparked that offense, gave them more threats over the middle and made everyone's life a little bit more easy. And I think that's going to embody the 2023 Vikings as we'll see them in week two for the second straight year. So one of the things I did just to kind of set the table for our listeners, right, was, um, again, like, look, it's not just, oh, yeah, like it was an upgrade at tight end. They moved from Irv Smith Jr., who's a nice player, a solid player, and to TJ Hawkinson, who is viewed by, you know, by most as a top, we'll say, like, six, seven, eight tight end in the league. I think that's a pretty conservative way to describe him, right? So I think when you look at it, it's not just the upgrade in talent. But to me, Ben, kind of going back and looking, the the usage and what they were able to do with TJ Hawkinson really kind of helped transform that offense, like you said. So just looking back in weeks one through eight last year, it was a seven-game sample. They had a week seven bye um, before Irv Smith's high ankle sprain that really kind of cost him the second half of the year and really spurned that trade for TJ Hawkinson. In those seven games with Irv Smith, 
He only lined up in the slot more than 10 times once in that entire seven-game sample, and that was in week two against the Eagles. The Eagles were ahead in that game. They had to kind of spread things out uh, and you know try and, and come from behind. Now, after they trade for TJ Hawkinson, Ben, in that 10-game sample on the back end of the season, he lined up in the slot more than 10 times in every single game except one. They really spiked up the way that they kind of spread those formations out. They had Hawkinson out wide. They put him into the slot on the same side as, Je- as Justin Jefferson. They put him out wide outside of Justin Jefferson, allowed him to slide inside. So it really just kind of gave them another really uh, a, a consistent threat in the passing game. And you and I, we, we've talked about that a lot in terms of like, you know, things that Sean Payton has done in the past when it would be like, oh, they, they watch, you have, they have Mike. Michael Thomas and Darren Sproles to the same side or Michael Thomas and uh, Alvin Kamara to the same side of the formation. What does that mean for, for defenses and how they have to respond when you had that other like big time threat in that offense that gave them the flexibility to move Jefferson around, move Hawkinson around and really kind of play with defenses in that way. Yeah. I think TJ Hawkinson being a true Y NFL tight end allows this offense to keep him on the field and wear all these different hats. Irv Smith Jr. I think is an exciting, athletic, more of an H-back U tight end. It's 6'2", 242 pounds. TJ Hawkinson's nearly 6'5", 250 yep. pounds, nearly 33-inch arms. And when we say an every-down player, that isn't just ability. That isn't just excellence to say, well, he's really good. Make sure you can keep him out there. Being an every-down player is also about versatility. And wearing all these different hats yep. and putting your hand in the ground as a wide tight end, blocking defensive ends on early down in the run game, hanging in on third down on some play actions and things like that, blocking defensive ends and pass protection. But then the alignments, not only in that in line, but from the bunch, why ISO, playing in the slot, being an every down player is not only your ability to be every down and you obviously want to excel but being versatile in every down. I think that's what TJ Hawkinson can bring. And I think that's what we've seen, uh, particularly the back half of last season. Yeah. And again, you know, for, because you remember, I mean, you and I talked about this going into that week two matchup between the Eagles and the Vikings was, all right, you have Irv Smith and you also had Johnny Munt. And they played a lot of John, Johnny Munt was used as primarily like that blocking tight end. Right. And so you could kind of tell, all right, when they, when they go into the huddle offensively, all right, if Munt's in the game, this is kind of what they're doing. And if it, if it's going to be Irv Smith, this is kind of what they're doing. That's not the case. When you have a guy like Hawkinson, now that's true versatility where you could be in the huddle and the defense, because that's what, again, that's when you're making your call, right? When you're, when you're in the huddle, you don't necessarily know exactly what's going to happen. It could be run. It could be pass. It could be a tight formation. It could be a wide form, a spread formation. So and, and all the good of those thing things with him, Fran, it's all believable. Yes. Because exactly. we've seen Hawkinson do it. You know, we, we've seen him block defensive ends in the run in the past game. We've seen him beat linebackers in safety and man coverage and split out. So everything and where he aligns, it's believable. You have to respect it. I think that's yeah. the juice the offense got. All right. So let's go through some of the things that we saw. And again, we watched all the completions of uh, 18 plus. What did you say? It was like 34 completions total. Um, if you include penalties in there and some of the big 38, right around yeah, 40, okay, 38. Yeah, right so around just 40, around 40 yeah. plays. Um, so, you know, a small sample. But again, how are they creating some of these big plays? I think a lot of people would say like, oh, well, you know, it's easy. You got you got Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson. Let, let, let's make this work. Um, but it wasn't just like a lot of ISO ball. There were there were some really uh, sound concepts and some things that they kind of uh, they kind of went to time and again. A lot of empty uh, was one of the things that I noticed yeah. there. Ben and, and different looks of empty. You saw some three by two, but also some four by one. Uh, Jefferson inside, Jefferson mm-hmm. outside. What were some of your takeaways? Kind of walking away from it. Uh, from well, uh, from a statistical standpoint, first. So we'll get down to some nuts and bolts numbers okay. on those thirty-eight. So thirty-two out of the thirty-eight were eleven personnel. 
Yep. I think that speaks to their personnel consistency, having Hawkinson out there as a wide tight end fixture while still having a lot of versatility in their formations and concepts. I think that's exactly what we were talking about. Fourth in middle percentage. So a lot of attacking over the middle of the field. Love that. uh, Which I think also speaks to Hawkinson's ability. Also speaks to Justin Jefferson's ability to win over the middle ability. And things like that. Good call. Cousins, second in rhythm percentage, which is a really cool next-gen stat about the timing of the throw. I think rhythm is anywhere from two to three seconds getting the ball out. Mm. We know Kirk Cousins isn't going to hold on to the ball. He's almost often getting that ball out in rhythm, in progression, very naturally. And I think the numbers really spoke to that. Yeah, I think that 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 was something that really stood out. But you know what was interesting, too, about that was that even though like everything was in rhythm, because basically as I was watching, I was just kind of charting. All right, what are we seeing from Jefferson? What are we seeing from Hawkinson? What are we seeing from the back? And what are we seeing from Cousins, right? And with Cousins, like so much of it, I was writing down like, yep, timing and rhythm, timing and rhythm, timing and rhythm. But also like a bunch of plays where he's like taking huge shots. So there's a defender oh, yeah. he bearing takes down. Yeah. He takes, yeah, I mean, they, they, yeah. he, he made some outstanding throws on these plays where a defender was getting ready to just punch him in the mouth or deliver a huge hit. Uh, and he was able to still deliver accurately and on time, you know, in this offense and like what I was talking about, just watching a pure offense kind of execute like a whiteboard. It's everyone's responsibility to do your job. Yeah. I think that's what I kind of take away from particularly Kirk cousins is this guy's eyes never drop. No. There may be a free runner or a late blitzer or an old lineman that got beat or whiffed at the point of attack. His eyes aren't dropping. Kirk's going to say, you know what? I'm going to do my job. I'm going to keep my eyes up, get the ball out where it needs to go. Yeah, I'm probably going to take a beating, but I'm going to get the ball and do what I need to do, which I really just think is a it's a really kind of special way to watch an offense because that's the way football is designed on paper through the week and how you expect it to be executed on Sundays. And I think you really see that one last note, 16th. So right in the middle of the pack on time to throw. Mm. So what am I saying though? We just talked about getting the ball out naturally in the rhythm, but why is it 16th middle of the pack? He's not holding onto the ball and scrambling. He's also not just getting it out. One, two, three ball out. Why is that? A lot of long developing play Mm -hmm. action concepts, which will obviously uh, increase that time to throw out there. So a lot of attacking the middle of the field in rhythm at 11 personnel and mixing in a lot of play action concepts, too, that will then give him some more max protection and some more opportunities to push the ball down the field. So from a statistical standpoint, I think that's kind of what we expected from the Kirk Cousins kind of led offense in that Vikings. Yeah, I think that's uh, those are all really, really sound points. And I, I honestly, I think when you look at Kirk Cousins, and look, we, we just watch, we essentially watched the highlight tape, right? That's how, that's what we watched just now. But I think when you look at uh, why why are coaches drawn to quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins and to Kirk Cousins himself, there are certain coaches that look and say, like, hey, like we spend all week game planning, structuring these play, structuring the plays, getting the playbook ready. We this 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 play concept is going to work against this defense, and here's why. When you have a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, he's he's going to go out and execute what that plan is. Yeah, and one other just uh, point of admiration of Kirk Cousins, uh, PFF does a stat about progressions, first read, second read, third read, things like that. So while Kirk Cousins doesn't hold the ball, he also doesn't just go to first reads. Yeah. So if you look at those weeks 9 to 18, look at Kirk Cousins passing, look at next read, so moving from his first read to his second read. Yeah. He is way out in front of every other quarterback in the NFL. Why is that? Because he has to. He knows immediately how to eliminate options, where to go with the progressions and get the ball out. 
Brand, that is a quarterback's job. Yep. It's not a quarterback's job, in my opinion, to make a first read. Oh, it's not available. Let me scramble and get out of Dodge. Now, that makes a lot of big plays in the NFL. It extends a lot of plays. It creates a lot in the NFL. We know that's almost a needed trait these days because receivers get covered up. Justin Jefferson gets double teamed. What do you do? Is Kirk Cousins scrambling? No, he knows exactly where to get to two to three to the check down. And I really think that's where TJ Hawkinson also helped out by having that second and third outlet in the progression to say, oh, Justin Jefferson, safety rolled over top. Let me go to the second read. Hawkinson beat the safety or linebacker. Bam. And it's great natural progressions in the offense. And you really get to see how plays are designed Mm. from a pure progression standpoint. And it's really refreshing because let's just call it, friend, 85% of quarterbacks these days scramble around. They extend. They improvisational. You know, they backyard. Josh Allen does it. Mahomes does it. Jalen Hurts does it. Makes a lot of big plays. But there are still those pure progression passers. The Obviously, the Peytons, the Tom Brady's, the Drew Brees's, and now the Kirk Cousin types that are kind of uh, carrying that torch. The the play that I think perfectly encapsulates what you just talked about. It was a uh, a 27-yarder. I don't see if you remember this one. It was against the New York Giants. Uh, it was a three-by-one set. And uh, Justin Jefferson is number two to the three receiver side. TJ Hawkinson was number three and Hawkinson. He's just running. He was, you could tell he was like the check down. He was running a shallow cross to the opposite side. So he's running across the formation. Uh, they, uh, Kirk Cousins initially starts on Jefferson to the play side gets off of it. Cause the, the coverage kind of took that route away but the pocket was collapsing around cousins and you could tell like, all right, he wanted to get to number two and potentially number three, but he had to bail from those progressions in the read. He actually went all the way back to the other side <laughs> so fast to go to the shallow cross to TJ Hawkinson. That was the, that to me was not the number two read in that progression, right? Because you're not going to start. All right. My read is all the way to far, right. Let me go right to the far left. But he knew, Hey, with the pocket collapsing down, I got to just get to this check down. I got to get, I got to get this ball out. And he went to Hawkinson and he turned it into an explosive play, uh, 27 yards. And I think that that's a, a perfect example of exactly what you were just saying. And again, both guys were in the slot on that play. I, I believe that was Thielen that was outside the, the far receiver there in the uh, in the three receiver set. So um, you know, so you have both of those guys inside, and you're now able to kind of work through the progression in that way. Yeah, the understanding of outlets is so important, but not just in a pure progression sense because sometimes those uh, panic moments get sped up mm-hmm. when you know a Pro Bowl three tech all of a sudden beats your guard. He's coming down on you. You have to go from progression read one to all of a sudden go to three. And just understanding where to go with the football, that's what you watch with Kirk Cousins. My very first note after watching all these plays, Cousins, decisive, decisive, decisive. Coverage, understanding, post-snap, rarely confused. And I just think that goes into my next point here of saying, if you play zone, he will carve you up. Mm -hmm. And I think we saw that against Indy. We saw, obviously, Indy was a little bit of a wacky game with the comeback and the big lead and things like that. Chicago, Eberflus, obviously, cover two. Green Bay, Joe Barry. Buffalo, I saw a little bit more man coverage. I was a little Mm -hmm. bit more hybrid. The Lions played a little more hybrid. Man coverage was more the Giants, the Patriots. I wrote Bills for man. I saw a little bit more two-man that week. But if you play zone, Cousins carved you up. And I just don't think you can play zone against this team. But... There's the Justin Jefferson type. Not every team has, no. you know, you know, pieces to play man coverage against Justin Jefferson. So my next point is, well, if you want to play man, Justin Jefferson will carve you up. Yep. So all of a sudden, you see teams like the Washington Commanders try to double team Jefferson. Now, all of a sudden, TJ Hawkinson beats Cameron Curl over the middle, beats linebackers Jameen Davis. Now he has that extra outlet against man coverage. 
Eh, Adam Thielen, obviously, you know, is taking a slight backseat to his excellence in his career. It wasn't that, uh, you know, man coverage creator like he had been. I think Hawkinson kind of took that. KJ Osborne, some other guys you saw sprinkling in there, Jalen Naylor, things like that. But to be able to beat zone and have different ways to beat man coverage, that's checking the boxes in the pass game. Now let's just see if Cousins can stay upright and get the ball out. But that goes to something you and I talked about on the Journey to the Draft podcast. And really, it was, I believe, the last episode we did of the Journey to the Draft podcast where uh, we were going through the draft classes of the NFC North. And we were talking about the Vikings and going back and watching the press conference after they made their first round selection. They selected Jordan Addison, the wide receiver out of USC. Kevin O'Connell, the, the head coach, he's you know he's up there. and He's like, look, at the end of the day, like we wanted a receiver that could go out and we Beat your one-on-one. You're not going to get double coverage when we've got Justin Jefferson on the field. So you're gonna if you're gonna face one-on-one, we needed a guy to go out and win one-on-one. That's where that's what they're gonna ask Jordan Addison to do. Adam Thielen has moved on. He's now in Carolina. Uh, so now you're gonna have him coming in here. Addison, the rookie. I mean, there's a good chance he's the number three threat in the pass game, right? You obviously, obviously, a lion's share of that's going to go to Jefferson. You know, Hawkinson's going to get his, especially in Addison's rookie year. So now Addison is saying, "All right, you're you're the number three number three guy in the totem pole. Go out and win your one on ones. Uh, and if you're going to count on Cousins to kind of win from a man standpoint, now I, I think that that's or from a zone standpoint, I, it's going to be an interesting uh, combination here offensively in this pass game." And interesting is one way to say it. It doesn't sound fun to defend, in my opinion. No. You know, you know obviously the former Blitnikoff winner, Jordan Addison, we know what he can do to an offense and bring and threaten the defense with Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson. The biggest question is obviously that Vikings offensive line and keeping Cousins upright. Yeah. But with a quarterback and an understanding of where to go with the ball, he beats the rush so many times. Now he may take a big hit and, you know, may get dinged up, but. We know Cousins is one of the toughest quarterbacks in the NFL, and it's refreshing to watch. And one question I have for you, Fran, how many times did you watch plays and some of these explosives and just say, man, that was the perfect route against that coverage? Mm. I just felt like there was a very good understanding of attacking the defense. Yes. So a lot of hole shots, a lot yep. of route combos that kind of attacked, particularly against those zone coverages. And the man coverages, we saw some cutesy double moves and some, you know, uh, some misdirection plays yep, and some, sure. you know, bubble pumps and things like that. You know, that little pinwheel play against the Packers. Yeah, they ran that a couple times. Yep. But the zone coverages, I just felt like the game planning attacked the zone. And I felt like Cousins and the preparation throughout the week, the coaches, Wes Phillips, O'Connell, in the, you know, the game planning knew exactly what to attack, when to attack it, and how to attack it. And a lot of, a lot of them were kind of turkey hole shots and cover two, as we saw, you know, Eberflus in uh, Indianapolis play a lot of, you know, cover two against them. But I just felt like I saw a lot of great concepts to beat the coverage that they saw, which is a credit to the coaching staff and the game planning as well. No doubt. I think that that's something that definitely stood out just watching, um, you know, over the course of the season. And again, when you have some of those blue chip talents as well, you, know, you think back to the, that, that crazy one-handed catch that Justin Jefferson made again in the Bills game, right? Like uh, when you have, a really good scheme, and you and you and I have been have been preaching this for forever. Right? Talking about um, talking about this game and, and this league. When you have a really good scheme and you have great players, it's like magic. It's all of a sudden, oh wow! Like it's a really great product on the field, right? <laughs> because uh, you're going to have some where the scheme wins. You're going to have some where the players win. And when you have enough of those, now it's like all right. Like there's a lot of ways to be able to uh, move this ball down the field. You know, my one last note that I had a bunch of exclamation points. Kirk Cousins, we talk about he's going to hang in the pocket. He's rarely going to, you know, move and escape and things like that. So sometimes that ball comes out a little premature. Sometimes he's getting hit as he throws. 
the ball isn't always perfect. But one note I had underlined with a bunch of exclamation points, boy, do his receivers make plays on the ball. Yeah. Adjustments, adjustments. And we know Justin Jefferson and some of the highlight plays, you know, the Bills, the fourth down play, and pretty much just throwing it up and going to get it. Not every ball is perfect in the NFL. Sometimes they're behind you. Sometimes they're underthrown. Sometimes you're you're in traffic. I felt like Cousins, and just like we talked about earlier, everybody do your job. And it's not going to be perfect on the receiving end of passes in the NFL. It's not an excuse to give up on the play. And I know we want to talk about Justin Jefferson's of the world. K.J. Osborne made some great adjustments. Uh, I think he had the deep one against the Jets, if I'm not, mis- yeah. I'm not mistaken, on the on the big post to the big over. That was way underthrown, and he came back for it. I just felt like everybody understands we got to go fight for the ball. Cousins is taking a beating back there. He's doing everything he can to get that ball out. It's not always going to be right on your face mask. That's not an excuse in the NFL. Go get that football. And I think that's something we talk about so often with our two alpha pass catchers here in Philly, Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown. The best thing they do is catch the football. Go get that ball no matter where it is. And I think that's so refreshing to Eagles fans. And when we watch this Vikings team, they do it too. And you don't see that consistently across the NFL. And the fact they went and got a Jordan Addison to mix in with that, Oof, man, this is getting to be a dangerous team. I think the big recipe is just if you keep Cousins upright, I think it will be just fine with Alexander Madison back there and working in some of the younger guys. I think they got uh, they got another running back in the draft. I'm blanking. They got uh, well, they they drafted uh, Dwayne McBride, uh, McBride yep. running back yep, late in the draft. Um, you know, and then uh, as we mentioned, like, they have um, uh, Jordan Addison as well. Uh, they've got the Jalen Naylor uh, who came up with a couple of those big plays from last year. They, he was a rookie, so he's going. Into oh, Ty Chandler. Ty Chandler. Ty right. Chandler is the running back they drafted. I think he can work his he can work his way into a third down role. And don't forget about the speedy kid from uh, Iowa State two years Kenny, ago, Kenny Nguangu, hmm. I believe. Right. That's he's got every bit of four three speed. I know that coaching staff is designing plays to get the ball in his hand. So even though they're losing a Dalvin Cook, they have some uh, plenty of mouths that can, uh, you know, you know, can carry that rock and certainly defeat. Before we shut this down really quickly, just a quick Justin Jefferson conversation just because we talked about like the impact of having Hawkinson and being able to move him around, what that means for Jefferson. The Eagles played the the Vikings back in week two last year. And I mean, that was the that was like the big like statement game with with Darius Slay. Right. We saw how many times where it was Slay one on one with Jefferson. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, I got to go back and look at what those numbers were. But it wasn't like Slay was shadowing him, shadowing him into the slot. Right. I mean, we saw uh, him travel with him left and right, which that was not Typical. That was not something we always saw from the Eagles defense, but he did not necessarily move with him into the slot. What does that mean now for defenses where when you have a Jefferson, you say like, all right, like now we're able to have that huge uptick with being able to mm-hmm. move him inside. That kind of changes the way you can deploy your DBs to, uh, you know, to try and defend him. Yeah, I think last year is really where you saw particularly the back half of the season, them moving Jefferson around more and preventing some of those double coverages that were really stymied to that. Uh, to the pass game. So I think continuing to find creative ways to line him up and hide him, whether it's in backfield stacks, bunches, motion, and prevent all those double teams. I think you're seeing that around the league with, you know, Jamar Chase. You're seeing it with the two receivers here in Philadelphia, Devontae Adams, some of these alpha dogs where the entire week, six days of preparation is let's put two bodies on this guy. Well, you can't always double team. So I think putting him around the formation and having other threats, particularly like a Jordan Addison, which was one of the best downfield deep ball receiving prospects I've ever studied. 
that's a dangerous combination with a man coverage beating, you know, three level receiver like Justin Jefferson. So I'm excited to see how the Eagles kind of match up against them. Remember, we sent a lot of cover zero blitzes at Cousins. Cousins is not going to hold the ball. He's going to get the ball out against the free rusher, which means cover zero free rusher. You don't have to cover as long makes the defensive backs life just a little bit easier. So I think the Vikings lack of run game and then lack of getting to the play action against the Eagles and keeping them upright while still pushing the ball down the field really kind of bit them. So uh, the Vikings need more answers against pressure, more answers against this Eagles blitz. And uh, I'm excited to see another uh, week two game out here. I believe it's in prime time and Thursday yep, night football. Th- Thursday night football. So uh, is there anything like from that? We're only going to get a one game sample, right? Leading yep. into that matchup. Is there after watching this, this short cut up, is there anything that you're going to have your eyes on in week one? It's like, oh, like, I wonder how we're going to see this. Is it going to be mainly centered around Jordan Addison? Is it going to be around the backs and how they utilize those guys? Uh, what are you going to have your eyes on? It doesn't necessarily be pass game related i think uh it's going to be a lot of the way i focused on the vikings last year and that's yeah. the offensive line you know i really like the way Darisaw developed at left tackle we all like brian o'neill at right tackle but the three interior from ezra cleveland garrett bradbury ed ingram heading into year two i just want to see some a little bit more consistency and a little bit more you know solid play in there i think they're going to need to lean on the run game to get to the play action so a lot of this team um, I think is going to depend on the offensive line. So there's some big expectations and this team was kind of uh, teetering from a rebuild or do we make one last push? This looks like a competitive playoff team. And I think a lot of that's going to come down to that offensive line. So it's put up, shut up time. It's uh, June right now. You got two more months to kind of fine tune uh, all the details. And I'm excited to see, uh, you know, week one of the Vikings open with the division yeah. game. Uh, I believe so. Give me one oh, second. Oh, Tampa. Uh, that's oh, there you go. There you go. Tampa. Wow. They go Tampa, Philly, Chargers, Panthers, Kansas City. They go five straight weeks, no division games. Hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a, that's that's a weird, weird start to the season. Yes, it is. Um, I I was thinking about like potentially doing the defense here because uh, yeah, it's a um. It's a new defensive staff, right? Brian Flores comes in and, and he is look anywhere he's been, their defenses have been outstanding. And Sometimes the, when it's so new though, it's not worth looking backwards. I think that's they're how, that's such why a different I, I'm identity. With the offense, <laughs> you know, and looking because they had that huge uptick offensively after the trade with Hawkinson. Um, but look, uh, Brian Flores comes in. Uh, we kind of know what to expect from a structure standpoint, right? I mean, uh, when you look back at his defenses in Miami, it was a, a ton of man coverage, uh, plenty of blitzing, a lot, of, a lot of pressure. Uh, what are your thoughts here just real quickly uh, on this defense as we close this out? Well, I think it's going to have a little bit of a different uh, identity, you know, no more Eric Kendricks there with the yeah. middle. So they, uh, I think they're going to thrust Brian Asamoah in there. They got Jordan Hicks uh, in free agency. Marcus yep. Davenport came over, but like yep. you mentioned, completely different scheme. We're going to get out of that cover four umbrella of uh, Ed Donatel play a lot more man coverage. And now it's a matter of does Brian Flores have the dogs in there? Yep. One player in particular I'm just dying to see because I loved him on Saturdays is Lewis Stein, their mm. first-round pick out of Georgia, who's, I believe, his ankle like exploded yeah. on that injury. I hope he's okay. I haven't heard a lot about him since that injury. Hope everything's tracking right because I thought he was a heck of a player on Saturdays. I just want to see him healthy uh, and contributing. And, you know, I just want to see how they're going to get after the quarterback here. We know Daniil Hunter's out there. Zedaria Smith just left. Uh, as that marriage kind of ended. So we'll see if, uh, you know, Marcus Davenport, DJ Wanham, some guys like that can contribute. They didn't have tons of draft capital to add to it. Um, 
So they're going to kind of need the scheme, I think, just to uh, kind of carry them a little bit through year one, more of a X's and O's and Jimmy's and Joe's, in my opinion. And then maybe in year two, year three, Flores yeah. will get the guys he needs in there. But a lot of people looking at the future of the quarterback spot. It's a fun team to kind of look at. But yeah. I think they're going to try to make one last run here in, in 23. Yeah, there are some players, uh, you know, here. I think when you look at it, where it's like, all right, like, yeah, I, I don't think everything's all together yet defensively, but, you know, and there's some question marks, certainly, but. Danell Hunter, still there. Like Jordan Hicks, rock solid in the middle there. Harrison Smith's yeah. on the back end, but um, he's going to bring a veteran presence in the back end. They signed Byron Murphy Jr. in free agency. They brought in Marcus Davenport in free agency. Harrison Phillips is there via free agency. So, um, yeah, and Andrew Booth coming off injury as well. What is he going to look like? Uh, a quick Google search. Uh, as you mentioned, Lewis Seen, like, looks like the recovery has gone well, and he, and, oh, good. Uh, okay. he should be a, a smooth. I heard, uh, uh, I heard Josh Medalist is uh, really yeah, involved as he, well he, uh, in, some, in some nickel and dime packages. Well, I just I was listening to a, a podcast. Um, Very versatile uh, player out of Michigan. For years yeah, Quesia yeah. Dofa Mensa, the general manager, went on Pete Traeger's podcast uh, just this week, and I listened to that. Uh, and he was talking about Josh. He said, "Who's a guy that uh, I think you know?" Pete Traeger asked him, "Who's who's a player that kind of best represents uh, everything you guys are building?" And he actually said, "Medalist," uh, which is, wow. I think that's that's, that's very telling uh, in terms of how they view him. Those Michigan time. DBs and linebackers from Don Brown, man, they're just NFL ready minds. Yeah, right, exactly right. <laughs> uh, well, Ben. Uh, Great stuff, as always. We'll be t- taking through the, uh, the the Eagles' week three opponent next time right here on the Eagle on the Sky podcast. All right, so great stuff there from Ben. Thanks to him, and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.